Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. These guys are pushing to Thursday. Uh, have a great opponent, a division opponent, uh, an opponent we know really well. They're well-coached. They have players really at all spots on the offense, defense, special teams. Um, we understand how significant, how big this game is. It's great to be in big games. We don't run away from that. We run to it. We're very familiar with them. They're very familiar with us. I'm sure both sides can say that. Uh, we got some usual battles to fight uh, as we lean in on this thing. Always a tough opponent uh, year in and year out. Uh, good team, good coaches. Uh, you know, the tradition is rich uh, in uh I mean, a divisional game on, on Thursday Night Football, if that don't wake you up, then something's wrong with you. Thursday edition of Pro Football Talk Live, week three already upon us. Last week, epic matchup between Justin Herbert and Pat Mahomes. This week, it's Jacoby Brissett, Mitchell Trubisky. Can't have it all, Mike. Can't have it all. You're right there. You're right there. What you got here? Oh, you're back to you're back to your baseball signals for me. I I wasn't sure if I had a little that take (laughs) or swing away. No, that was uh, that was take. That was called the uh, dust off the makeup on me, just in case. I wasn't sure. I was a little late getting organized for the show this morning. I got in the studio a few minutes late, so it was like you know a rush. I just got done putting the makeup on and getting all organized and ready to go here as we were doing the open. When we returned from hiatus just about two months ago, I had turned over a new leaf. I was coming up to this set 10 minutes before showtime. I was sitting in the chair for so long, I was getting bored. That has ended. I got up here just about two minutes, maybe less, before the show began. So I don't know anything about you being late. Because unless you're no, late you're never the there in your seat. When I, I mean, yeah, unless I show up at showtime, I'm there before you. <laughs> Today was one of those days, and they don't happen for me very often, where I just couldn't drag my ass out of bed. You mm. ever have those days where you, you just look tired, don't feel like, thanks, thanks. <laughs> you just don't feel like doing anything. Like, this is just one of those I days. Hear you. 
yeah. where I just don't feel like doing anything. And it's exacerbated by the fact that after two hours of this, you get a one-hour break, and then we have to do our picks pod. And I think the reason that I'm feeling this way today is I don't want to face the reality of how badly we did last week with our picks because we were collectively horrible, although you may have done very well because you picked like 12 underdogs. And the underdogs found a way to. I, yeah, I don't the top know. You're dog. right. I'm not sure how I did on the total overall. I know our best bets weren't good. That's for sure. But uh, combined 0 and six. I thread the needle a few. Combined 0 and six. Can we please oh. not put that up? And what makes it worse is so like in my games, I had I was down to the Dolphins and Ravens, and the Pats and the Steelers for the under game, and I went ah, and I I picked obviously the Dolphins Ravens but in my mind for some reason I thought I picked Patriots Steelers so when I was talking about it on the Monday podcast that I do with Ahmed Farid and on Sunday I was like well good my Steelers yes my Steelers under pick is good and Pete you know Demolitis one of our producers got my ear and he's like you didn't pick the Steelers game under game and I was so heartbroken it really threw me for a loop I meant to give you a hard time on Sunday is the Ravens Dolphins game was sailing over forty. Oh my god, half, that was over in minutes. I mean, that was over early. Yeah, that was that was big trouble. But but I I really had no right to say anything as my three best bets were imploding. We've never been oh and I don't remember. That. I don't think there's a time that I had never been oh and three. You may have been at one point last year. I can't remember. But I'd never been 0-3, and, and we were 0-6 collectively, well, so don't listen to us. Do the opposite. Whatever, whatever. we suggest today, do the opposite. No, nah, it was a crazy week. I don't feel that way. And, you know, I, I picked some wrong ones here. I did, but I, I feel good about it. Like I, I'm rebounding this week. I know that. I sat down for a long time last night, wrote notes on all the games. Like I feel like that I'm ready. But the problem is it do, that doesn't matter. It That's does. what's frustrating about it. Well, you're right. It doesn't matter all the way through, but it does matter to a degree because I, I do get to a point somewhere where like some weeks I go, man, I kind of rush through my picks and it, I go, oh, you know, I, I'll get to Friday or Saturday and go, man, I don't know why I picked them to win. You know, they're just, I'm unpacking the game because our, our life too is so much, especially for me, is not look forward. It's look back, break down the week, last week, last week, yesterday, we're still talking about last week. And then all of a sudden tomorrow night it flips over or last night it flips over to, Hey, think about the rest of the week coming forward. And it's like, it's a little bit where you don't get your mind, you know, wrapped around things the right way, but wait, are you zero and six for the year too? You're zero and six for the no, year. No, I'm one and I'm one and five. One and so five. Okay, suck it. Okay, all right. Well, I'm three and three, so you suck that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I just I don't want to do it today. I really don't want to do it today. I was tired today I, too. I don't know what I, it I, is. I, I, no, I mean I don't want to do the picks today. Well, tough I, crap. I just don't want to do it. Let's go. Bring it. Can, can we get an incomplete for a week? All right. Let's get to the game tonight. The one and one Steelers against the one and one Browns, who should be two and zero. I mean, no matter how badly we did with our picks, we still didn't blow a victory that we had in our hands, and that anyone who plays Madden knows the Browns could have and should have won. That 13-point comeback by the Jets never should have happened. The Browns opened the door for it. They left the door open by not running out the clock and taking a 24-17 victory. So that's a lot to process on a short week. I don't know how you put that behind you. They had a players-only meeting. Big question. Already. Right. Already 
a players-only meeting for the Cleveland Browns after they got a win in week one that they were up and then they tried they, to They almost it screwed that up. Right, it. right. Yeah. yeah. So I, at some point, look, Kevin Stefanski, coach of the year, his first year on the job with the Cleveland Browns, took the team to the postseason. Last year, they were still decent. They just didn't live up to their expectations. And it's also close. You can't be the reason for the game to go the wrong way. And the coach, and this is why Coach Belichick has been so good. Exactly. In so many close games, your mastery of the rules, your understanding of situational football can help deliver victory. And no matter what happens for the Browns the rest of the year, that loss from Sunday to the Jets is on the head coach. And if they miss the playoffs by a game or miss winning the division by a game, or whatever it is, they got that one extra loss that would have been, could have been, should have been a win, and it all comes down to the failure of the coach to tell his players. Oh. And specifically on this play. Go down. Go out of bounds at the one. Go down like or you go said. out of bounds at the one. Right. Right? Yeah. This is not a difficult concept to understand. It's not a difficult concept to communicate. Down at the one or out of bounds at the one. There's 202 left. Cover a guy oh, also, here. You're still going to win. Also, cover a guy. Yeah, right. I right. mean, I really think – we were talking about this yesterday. I don't know, if, don't know if we talked about it on the air or if we talked about it during a break. But I think the Browns weren't as buttoned up in that key moment because it was the Jets. I hear you there. The Steelers, the Ravens, and the Bengals, and they're getting a win against a division rival. Or if it had been a team that was favored to beat them by a touchdown and they're a big underdog – they would have been buttoned up, and they would have made sure they did whatever they had to do to get out of Dodge with the win. And I think because it was the Jets, they were complacent, they were lackadaisical, and they didn't care about leaving the door open because they assumed the Jets were never going to kick it in. Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, you know, Stefanski, of course, it always starts there, and he, he's one to take it on the chin there like that anyways. I respect him that way. But, yeah, I mean, there was obviously miscommunication there to the players uh, before the two-minute warning. We, we didn't even show that, where we had two runs prior to the two-minute warning with, what, 2-12 and even before that, where guys ran at two guys. Kareem Hunt. Kareem right. Hunt twice. Ran out of Kareem bounds. Hunt twice ran out of can't, bounds. Can't do that. I have a hard time thinking the coach hadn't said something. I don't really know. I mean, I would have a hard time. I really would. This day and age he said in the he NFL. Didn't. He said he didn't. He said he maybe didn't. he's trying to take the maybe he's trying to take the heat for his guys. Yeah, but he no. said he didn't tell them. He said in the past he's told them, and he didn't tell them because you, you, you know if Kareem Hunt stays in bounds, right, with a moving clock at two o two, it's a first and ten at the twelve. Right, the clock goes to two minutes, and if you have first and ten, and the other team has no timeouts, the game over. And there's two minutes left. It's game over. Yeah, it's knee knee. Knee, if you take the clock all the way down to zero, it's game over. Anyone who plays Madden knows that. So they had multiple opportunities to not screw that up. Hunt out of bounds. Hunt out of bounds. And then Chubb, Chubb into the end zone. Right, right. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Then, then uh, I mean, they quadrupled down and don't cover Corey Davis up the right sideline, which I know there's been a lot of discussion there, and it, it does sound or seem like it was a cover two where, you know, Grant Delpit, who's, you know, still a young player, been hurt a lot his first two years, but, I mean, there's just no excuse. It's like he kind of rolled down like it was a cover three, and there's Denzel Ward kind of waiting in the flat because he's playing cover two, and there's nobody back there. 
And that's just that's inexcusable too. You know, again, to miss up the mess up the communication between two guys there and then and then, you know, quintuple down with really, I mean, on the onside kick, I don't know if we could show that again too. I, and great kick by the 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 Jets um Jets kicker there. But I'm blanking on his name. But either was way, it the punter who did it. Or yeah, was it was the, the punter. I think it was the punter. That's where I. That's where I man. got. I think that's where I, I. I couldn't remember. I was choking under the pressure there. But then even that, it just didn't look right. I mean, it didn't look right from the fact that. I mean, here it is. Nobody touches it. Nobody gets in the way of it. And there's eight jets on the ball before there's even one. One Cleveland Brown on the football. And then you have a guy wide open down the middle here. Awusu Koromoa doesn't carry him up the seam. I mean, it was a total, total debacle where, like you said, they should have won. They were clearly the better football team. And I think you're right. That's like the key to the game tonight. Just as, are they going to rebound? Or is it going to like end up being two losses because you wasted all a Monday and Tuesday? Like, what the hell did we do? I can't believe we did that. And you're still in a fog from that unbelievable loss, which can happen in the NFL. So I'll be interested to see their attitude and their energy tonight when they start the game. You said that before. Don't let one loss become two losses. That's the reality that you're faced with in the NFL when you have your short week. Of all the weeks to have to pick up the pieces, put them back together, and get ready for the next train that's rolling down the tracks, this is not the week to do it. Two weeks into the season, deflating loss. A lot of questions. Players only meeting for crying out loud. Short week. Here come the Steelers to town in prime time. Who always manage the game the right way and do things the right way. There's Mike Tomlin. He's a guy. There's been very few times that we can really look at him through, I don't know, what are we in, year 15? Or another guy where you go, they they don't, I don't remember them messing up too many situations ever. You know, he's pretty damn good with that stuff. That's what makes them hard to beat, you know, in the situations you always bring up, Mike, where, you know, they're, they're, their backs are against the wall, and they shouldn't win the football game. Well, yeah, we know their defense is tough, but he manages the game the right way to where they hang around. And all of a sudden, T.J. Watt's strip sack fumble or Minka Fitzpatrick's interception. And because he's managed the game and then, of course, their physicality and their toughness and they just love being in fights, all of a sudden we go, how did they win that game? They're not as good as them. And that's where Mike Tomlin is damn good at, at managing situation football, to, to your point. I was watching that game yesterday between the Steelers and the Patriots, and the Steelers kick a field goal to make it 10-6. to six. Yeah. That's when they had their opportunity. Cameron Sutton drops a pass that's right in his hands, and I don't care that the guy plays defense. you got to catch that ball. Opportunities sure. come along to have an easy pick, and it hit him right in the hands, and he dropped it. And then two plays later, Gunnar Olszewski has a punt go off of his face, face. mask. Right. That is not Steelers football. That is not... Failure to capitalize on an opportunity first, yep. and then creating a golden opportunity uh, second. Here's the throw. That's easy, it. That's as it's easy on his knee. Really. There's no difficulty. I think it's too easy to catch. It's so easy to catch. Uh, I, 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 he caught it. He was tucking that. it away, you knocked it out of his that. hand. And here's two plays later. Former Patriot Gunnar Olszewski in the face, off the face mask. I, this is not high school football. You got to. I mean, this is what you do for a living. I'm sorry to hold the guy to a high standard. But this is what you do for a living. You've done it over and over and over again. And I know in certain moments, in certain moments, and that's the beauty of the sport, in certain moments, stuff happens. And it happened to the Steelers. You take those two plays away, and 17-14 may have been a very different 
yeah, outcome. Could have been the other way around. Especially the Sutton. The Sutton, the Sutton was the, oh, there was our chance. Right. And the Olszewski was, oh, there's their chance. Yeah, no, no, no question about it. I mean, that was it was a tough, even, even fought football game with the Steelers and the Patriots. It is, and you know, this, they, that's with the spotlights on Stefanski and the Browns, and can they rebound? And then, as we know, the spotlights on Mitchell Trubisky and and that offense for uh, the Matt Steelers Canada. right now. They want Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator out of Pittsburgh. I do a spot on ninety three seven The right. Fan every Wednesday afternoon, and the overriding theme yesterday was. Get rid of Matt Canada. And what I said to them was, what do you, who do you replace him with on the fly? You're changing the tire on a moving car. Somebody else from the same coaching staff that isn't getting done? What do you do? You fire your offensive coordinator after two games. What do you do to replace him? Mike Tomlin's not an offensive coach. What do you do? That's the problem. The easy part is get rid of the guy that we don't like who's yeah. not getting it done with all these receivers and Najee Harris. Okay, fine. Get rid of him. Who do you replace him with? That's the problem. Yeah, that's right. It's not time to do that yet in panic. It's it's not. It's, it's a it's a first year quarterback in this system here too, you know, where he's getting his bearings straight. You know, played a weird week one game where their defense kept getting turnovers, and you know he probably thought, wait, we got this thing kind of locked up, and you play conservative that way. Then you get into week two, and you're playing a Patriots team where you know their offense isn't real special. Our defense should be able to slow them down. I think that adds to a little bit of a conservative nature as well. It, it does. But but tonight I think it's going to be interesting because of this. Like, you know, I know there's people and we heard George Pickens, I'm open I'm running open 90% of the time whatever, which is, you know, a low blow to say that. It is because now you're putting unnecessary pressure on the quarterback. You know, and what if the quarterback, you know, next week goes, you know, Pickens is he's covered 90% of the time. I mean, I'm mean, he's covered. I just can't I can't throw to him. Like, well, that's just a BS thing to say in the locker room and I would think Mike Tomlin and that addressed that to him, you know. Even though, hey, there's some plays there when you watch it, he's open here and there, but sometimes Trubisky has pressure, he can't get to him, right? So there it's not always that easy and like you said, sometimes the the wide receiver, like you said this yesterday, and we, we know they like to complain anyways, but sometimes the wide receiver gets the end picture and not the picture of when the quarterback was right, you know, actually reading the play. You know, they look back and the quarterback's thrown over there and he's like, oh, I was open. And it's like, no, no, there was a safety there when he was looking down the middle of the field. He was by you. He's now run over here to make a tackle on somebody and you look back and go, oh, I'm open. So that's not fair either. But Either way, we know the spotlight's on Canada and Trubisky. It is. Because this is one thing I can tell you about tonight. The Browns, or the Steelers, I should say, will not be able to run the effing ball. That's, I know that. The Steelers won't be able to run it. And they're going to have to win this one with throwing the football in Trubisky. And you know, Trubisky might have to push the envelope a little bit in this one, more than he did last week. You know, I understand the frustration there by their receivers and all that. Um, but, yeah, I think this one is going to be a little bit on the passing offense, the quarterback, and their ability to execute that way. Steelers are number 30 in total offense through two games ahead of only the Seahawks and the Bears. And the Steelers have the weapons, and we thought they were going to be dynamic, and George Pickens hasn't done much of anything, and Chase Claypool hasn't done much, and Deontay Johnson and Najee Harris, it just isn't working. Maybe it's the offensive line, but at some point, you've got to flip from Mitchell Trubisky to Kenny Pickett, and I'm looking at that game week four against the Jets as the moment because the crowd is going to be chanting if they lose tonight or if they struggle. See, they could win tonight. Jets. 
in ugly fashion and still not do well offensively right. and the fans are going to be ready to chant for Kenny Pickett and this is the last winnable game next week tonight is winnable in a weird sort of way especially because I think you're getting the Browns right where you want them and then the Jets is winnable and then as we discussed yesterday a schedule that looked one way in May looks a different way in September Bills, Bucks, Dolphins, Eagles a combined 8-0 are those four teams right now and then you get your bye after that that is murderer's row all of a sudden. Three of those games on the road, which may be a good thing for the Steelers right now. But, you know, at some point, you've got to bow to what the fans want. I, you're paying customers. You. They're in the stadium. They've been concerned in recent years about no-shows. They've been concerned about local TV ratings. The Steelers fans, it's very easy to support a team that is consistently contending. It's very easy. The challenge comes when they become mediocre, whether it's the Patriots or the Steelers. We're seeing this now with longstanding great teams that are always in it, giving off a different vibe. Will the fans hang around for that? Will they voice their displeasure? We already hear the chance for Kenny Pickett, and they had to know that when they drafted him. So I feel like that's coming. That's coming. If Trubisky, especially tonight, like you said, can't run the ball, got to throw the ball. If Trubisky can't do it, then it's going to be time for Kenny Pickett. Maybe as soon as next week. Yeah, yeah. I, I, am You know, I probably wouldn't have said that last at the end of last week. Even if you told me like, hey, the if he doesn't even play well, the Patriots. You know, you think they'll think about maybe a week more, and I would probably go, nah, they'll hang in there a little longer. But I'm with you. I think it's gotten to a point here of, you know, the pressure is on. There is the fan base is very restless. You know, the national media is even on it as well. So it's a double whammy that way. We're all looking at it. And, yeah, like you said, too, there's guys like Najee Harris and those three receivers that are they're freaky. And then Fryermuth at tight end is freaky. So there's got to be more explosive plays in the pass game. And we'll see. The Browns have shown, you know, that they, they will give up some plays. And they, you know, a lot of times the coverages they play, it almost kind of ends up man-to-man -man on the outside. Even though it's a zone, it's like, well, it's still this guy and this guy, and he's kind of just protecting his little area there. So I think there will be some opportunities. Can they protect? They're better at pass protecting than they are at running the football. That's the one thing I'll say. You know, that's – I don't – I don't – when, I, when they run the ball, I just go, oh, my gosh, they got no chance. Poor Najee Harris. He can't go anywhere. When they throw the ball, there's plenty of throw, throws or drop back passes that I look at and go, he's got enough time. You know, He's got to hang in there a little bit, Trubisky. He's got to have a little bit more of an aggressive frame of mind. right? You know, I think there's some plays from last week, again, where I don't think it's time to bench him or blame it all on Trubisky, but I think there's some plays like we, we've talked about with other quarterbacks at times where you go, Man, just slide here and wait a half a second, and you might be able to throw this post route here. Or, you know, you know, just buy another second, and this guy, he's going to come free. But again, I think when Pittsburgh right now, they play defense. They're telling him to protect the football. He knows that's a style of play. And then I don't think it's easy to play quarterback when you know, like, well, if I do throw two interceptions, man, I'm, I'm definitely going to get benched, and they are going to bring in Kenny Pickett. He's got to say F all that tonight. He's got to let it go and attack this, this Browns offense. And I'll be interested to see if, if they can do it because there's no Jadeveon Clowney, so they should be able to protect a little bit. We know Miles Garrett's a handful, but within that, you know, I think they can have some opportunities in the pass game, and I think it will, really will come down to that. You know me, Mike. I'm never like a down to the quarterback. I don't say that very often. 
but I don't think there's any freaking way they can run the ball. And if they're going to win, it's going to be half the, the, the receivers and Trubisky going to have to do it. It's a very simple analysis. We talked earlier about Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator, who is suddenly embattled, at least as far as the folks on 93.7, the fan in Pittsburgh are concerned. And I will accept that they are an accurate conduit of what the fans are currently thinking. Yeah. Nothing else. They're helping set the agenda for the fans. You don't have an alternative to Matt Canada. You do have an alternative to Mitchell Trubisky. It's that easy. Yes, right. Which, which fix is simpler to make on the fly? Let's see. We don't have another offensive coordinator. You don't have a backup offensive coordinator. I remember when the offensive coordinator in Tampa Bay some years ago, it was the quarterback, not the, the quarterback guru from Cal, whose name escapes me. Oh, I know. Tutor um, Aaron uh, Rodgers. Yeah, Jeff he, something. Jeff, uh, Jeff something. Yeah, 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 you're right. Hold on. He had, a, he had a heart condition and he was gone. And Josh McCown, who was with the Buccaneers at the time, yeah. said, and I think he may have said it on PFT Live, or I saw the quote somewhere. I can't remember. It's been it's been too long to remember the specifics. You don't Jeff have Tedford. a backup Jeff offensive Tedford. coordinator. Right. Jeff Tedford, thank you. you. You don't have a backup offensive coordinator. Right. You just don't. Right. And they had a young staff behind Tedford, and nobody knew what the hell to do at that point. Yeah. So if you're going to go from one to another, you go from quarterback to another. And something else that I'd never really drilled down on until yesterday when I was getting peppered with questions about Matt Canada and what should the Steelers do. You know what? Mike Tomlin's he, been coaching. He's a Tomlin he, guy. But let me tell you this. Yeah. Mike Tomlin has no coaching tree. None. He has no coaching tree in 15 years. Yeah. Bruce Arians is the only one, and they pushed him out. Right. They fired him. They retired him. They fired him after 2011 because he was too close to Ben Roethlisberger, and he goes on to become a two-time coach of the year and get to the brink of a Super Bowl with the Cardinals. They fired the guy who became a head coach. And you look at the offensive coordinators since then, Todd Haley, was kind of a forced marriage that Ben Roethlisberger didn't want. I don't know if Tomlin really wanted him. Randy Fickner was not good. Matt Canada there now. Mike Tomlin's not an offensive guy. No. This this should be a very attractive and desirable job for a high-end offensive coordinator who's looking to springboard into a head coaching job. Think about it. You're getting the credit for the offense. Because the head coach isn't an offensive guy. You would think this would be a pipeline that is creating head coaches, Chris, with the offensive talent they've had over the years. It's amazing to me that they haven't had a better group of offensive coaches. They should be attracting the best of the best offensive coaches in Pittsburgh. They should have their pick of the best coaches. Yeah, no, I mean, it's an interesting subject, certainly. I mean, they had a lot of years where their offense was damn good. We do know that. I mean, mean, we do. So it wasn't like – but. Yeah, have they had that offensive genius? No. Do we have a defensive head coach who, yeah, he's he's making these picks and maybe not going with the guy that's like the most creative all the time. Maybe going sure with a guy that he's making the hires. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't know either. It's it is different there in Pittsburgh. You're right, and you know the coaching three tree thing too is you know, they've had plenty of you know it, it, Pittsburgh's one of those places where people stay there forever as as well i mean they just they're there they've been a part of the organization forever and they're like hey i'm i'm happy being the d coordinator for the rest of my life and they got a lot of that where it's just they're a, they love the culture they love Pittsburgh they've been Steelers ex players or coaches there earlier in their career that's kind of the staff he was handed off to a degree too from Bill Cowher to Mike Tomlin so it's, it's a little different, like you said. And you're right. I don't know how much Mike Tomlin has involved in that. I do know Matt Canada is his guy. That, that's one where I'll say that certainly seems to be his pick. 
I've heard him tell stories, you know, on other media outlets about how, you know, Canada impressed him and, and he kind of had his eye on him. And when he came available, he wanted to grab him. Um, but, you know, he hasn't impressed us yet and he hasn't impressed the Steelers fan base. And that's where, you know, it's starting to, to get a little dicey there. Well, part of the sales effort when he came in as quarterback's coach was he'll use more motion pre-snap and make things more creative. A lot of the stuff you preach, make it more exotic, make it more creative, put right. more pressure on the defense. Right. And, you know, the thinking is the way that the hosts on 93.7 The Fan explained it, and I think that this is accurate to a certain extent. Mike Tomlin doesn't want all that fancy stuff. In his mind, it's play Steelers football. That, uh, that's, play good yeah, defense. Right. We don't need to have an elaborate offense that does a lot of different things. We play sound fundamentals in all phases of the game. We're going to find a way to win. And you have to ask yourself, has the game evolved past winning that way? Do you need an offense that can jam its foot on the gas pedal on demand? Because we've seen, very recently, no lead is safe in the NFL. No. But you need to have a pretty good offense if you're going to come back from down 13 or 21 or whatever the deficit is. That grinded-out approach works until it doesn't, and then when you're down big, you can't, you can't get, you can't get it going again. So anyway, so it's another look, good conversation. You're right, though. I mean, it, you're, they're, you're they're playing the hand they're dealt, though, and the hand they're dealt is they can switch from one quarterback to the other. There isn't a backup offensive coordinator, so that's what Steelers fans who aren't happy should be focused on, not Matt Canada, because that can't. You, there's nothing you can do. No, you don't want to do that. You're right. There. Right. Right. You, you just want Kenny Pickett instead of Mitchell Trubisky. That's where the energy should be focused. And tonight is a big chapter for Trubisky as to whether or not he can hold him off. Definitely. And then, I, you know, I think you laid it out perfectly. It's a Thursday night game, too. I mean, if it doesn't look good and you win by three or it doesn't look good and you lose, you know, you got to uh, – we always talk about the extra few days. They can get – make Pickett the starter. They can have all weekend here to kind of coach him a little lo- along. Well, hey, maybe the players have off, but Kenny, come in. You know, we're, we're going to name you the starter on Monday. You know, we are. So get in here. Let's start going over game plan stuff right now, right? You know, so th- that's where you can get a head start with a, a young quarterback. And then, of course, they're playing the New York Jets, who, you know, we're not ready to sit here and say they're world beaters quite yet. Certainly not. They, they you know, should be 0-2. And that would make sense, too, uh, to, to maybe pull the trigger and make him the starter versus that football team. So we'll see. This is going to be an interesting one, even though it's not like, yeah, a marquee quarterback matchup. Damn, it's an old school rivalry with ton ton of tradition. Um, they're both pride themselves on being physical, and there's a lot of pressure on both teams. I mean, there's there's big time spotlight, like you said, on the head coaches and and how they manage the football game and how they play, and of course the Matt Canada quarterback situation. I think that's really the intrigue of the night. It's just the pressure on both organizations so early on here in the season. And for the Browns, we know that Deshaun Watson won't be back until early December at the earliest. It's Jacoby Brissett, but the selling card for the Cleveland offense, those running backs, even though they were both at fault for not properly managing the situation of the game, Late against the Jets, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt continue to be two of the very best in the NFL and the best combination of running backs. Here's Mike Tomlin from earlier in the week talking about the Cleveland running game. And you're looking at their offense, boy, you better better minimize uh, Chubb and Hunt. Um, A lot of ball rolls through those guys. Um, They're not one and two, they're one and one A. 
Um, I think Chubb's got 76 snaps on the season. I think Hunt's got 74. Um, man, both guys are capable. Both guys are, are good in all schematic circumstances, be it the run game, uh, the passing game, check downs, screens, what have you, inside and outside. Um, they're a formidable tandem and probably the most complete tandem in football. He's absolutely right, and that's what they're going to have to deal with, and that swarming Steelers defense that still doesn't have T.J. Watt is going to have to get to those guys, and they open it up for everyone else. A pair of great running backs. They put out the fire with Kareem Hunt. Remember from the preseason where he wanted a new contract. That's over. That's done. Hunt is locked in in his contract year, and he and Chubb doing what they can to be the best two running backs that any team has in the NFL. And they use them. And they begin on the field together more, too, Chris. Yes, they have. That, that makes it even more dangerous. Get your best 11 on the field, whatever it takes. Right, right. And, and Hunt, Hunt has more of an ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. And we've all seen that with his background with the Kansas City Chiefs. That's why they drafted him. Nick Chubb is special. I mean, Kareem Hunt is really good. It, it, I, I honestly think you could sit in here and go, both of these guys are top 10 running backs in football. If somebody, like, if a coach in the NFL or you said that to me, I'd go, that's not crazy. I mean, I think Nick Chubb is him and Jonathan Taylor are the two best running backs in the game for my money. Uh, if you gave me my pick for two guys I could do, I'd go, oh, it's either Ch- Jonathan Taylor or Nick Chubb. And then Kareem Hunt's, like, a little down the line. But, wow. And then I think you couple that with that offensive line and Bill Callahan – and his ability to kind of game plan and, and coach the offensive line and run the proper plays against the defense they're playing that week, that's where they're just an absolute handful. And that offensive line is really good. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure if Pittsburgh's D-line is Pittsburgh-y, right, for lack of a better way to say it. I'm, you know, Last year we saw everybody run on them, everybody, holes everywhere. Last week was a little concerning. Patriots ran the ball on the Steelers. They, they did. They pushed them around. They opened up holes. And, man, if that group did it, then I can – that worries me that this – you know, they're going to do it against this group or this group's going to do it to them. Uh, so that, that's another thing. Well, well, the Steelers have to sell out to stop the run. That's something I'm kind of interested too. You know, I, I do think there's an aspect there where, where I was thinking about this game and trying to break it down where I go – yeah, and the Steelers might have to play some compromising coverages just to go, we, 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 we feel like we, we can't stop this run game. We're going to have to put our corners on an island against Amari Cooper and see if they can hold up. And that's another interesting aspect of the football game. So to see where that goes. If the Browns start running the football and opening up big holes, man, the Steelers, I think, are going to be in big trouble. I think you're right. You have to sell out to stop the run and trust that you got Mika Fitzpatrick back there who can maybe disrupt things just enough, maybe make a play. He's got that Troy Polamalu style instinct in the right place at the right time. No doubt. You have to trust him to do that and hope that you can slow down Amari Cooper. He's got 12 catches for 118 yards and a touchdown so far in two games this year. And the Browns are leading the league in rushing with 200.5 yards per game. This is going to be a very different game tonight than what Amazon broadcast last week between Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. That's for damn sure. This is going to be old school, grinded out. I hope it rains. I haven't checked the forecast because for a game like this, the forecast doesn't matter. It is going to be grinded out, gritty, old school football tonight. And uh, it'll be fun to watch. And, And whoever loses this one, yes, it's still early and there are still 14 games to go. 
but this is going to be tough to recover from because you slap it together with what happened on Sunday. Yeah, that's right. And it and it becomes a two pack of of a word I'd like to say that we used to say before we were live on Sky, but now I won't say it. But you know what? I, I do have some good news. There's a silver lining here. Yeah, what? Before we pivot to other news of the day. Well, see, and, and I, I love our fan base in the U.K. and in Ireland. And by the way, this show is PFT Live presented by Google Pixel. I haven't even said that yet, 34 minutes into the program. But we're on Peacock, we're on Sirius, and we're on Sky Sports NFL Live. And I was told at the outset of the season that we're on live every day for the remainder of the season. So we communicated that because that's what I was told. Right. That's what I was told. I wouldn't have said it if I wasn't told it. And now I got all these emails coming from people who watch the show on Sky saying, you're not live next week. The other show is. Well, the other show's going to London. So they're sucking up to try to get their spot back, apparently. <laughs> they're going to London for the whole week. So they get to be live while we go back to 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. And they act like there's something I can do about it. What am I supposed to do about it? Is there a London game it? next week? There's a London game next Sunday, Viking Saints, week no, four. Okay. All right. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, anyway, they're going over there to suck up. We, we, don't, we don't feel compelled to go to suck up. No. And if they want to make us not We know who the, the people week, want. That's fine. Yeah, we that's know fine. who the people that's want. That's right. Do, do you think just because that show is going to be there in London all week, it's suddenly going to be the preference of all the people who have been demanding that the show – our show be live. But regardless, folks, I love you, but telling me about it isn't going to do anything. There isn't a damn thing I can do about it other than continue to show up every day and do the show the best we can and let the people of the United Kingdom decide. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. All right. Anyway, well said. Pivot. Good uh, job. Decision made yesterday by James Thrash, one of the two hearing officers, jointly hired and appointed and paid by the NFL and the NFLPA to uphold the suspension of Bucks receiver Mike Evans. He will not play on Sunday against the Packers. His agent issued a statement, we're disappointed. Other players have done worse, but we respect the decision. Well, if you're going to point out that other players have done worse, but you respect the decision, you really don't respect the decision, right? Wait, well, I, 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 here's why I disagree with the decision. Point A, point B, point C, point D, but we respect the decision. Come on, you can't do that. You can't have it both ways. They disagree. They think others have done worse. Well, maybe others have done worse and gotten away with it. I don't know. Well, but I, Evans did something. And look, it, it occurred to me yesterday, Chris. Let me just say yeah, this and I'll, yeah. I'll let you go. Yeah, all good. Once the whistle blows, anything you do to another player on the field is no different than something you would do to him in the parking lot, right? The, the play is over. Anything you do after that should have a higher standard of what you expect and a lower bar to get you suspended. Because it's clear the play's over, and this is some fight that breaks out. He runs in out of nowhere, knocks Marshawn Lattimore on his ass, could have seriously injured him. That's why he got suspended. If there's any misunderstanding as to why Mike Evans got suspended, Mike, that's why you got suspended. Yeah, and I want to, like, throw the challenge flag here and go, well, what, what, what players have done a lot worse than this? What players – this, to me, is like – this is – 
This is as bad as it gets post whistles I've seen in a while. I can't remember one as bad. Other than hitting somebody with a helmet. Well, right, okay. Over the head. And that was practice. This is this is No, national- I'm talking about Miles Garrett. I'm oh, talking about Miles Garrett. You're right. Okay. We established there's nothing they can do about Aaron Donald because they don't have jurisdiction right. over practice. But you're right. So Miles Garrett if I, they could. You're right. Miles Garrett is an all timer. There's no question. After that, when you when when you think about it and like I saw that comment, I was like, Well, Man, the last one I can think of that I thought was that egregious or that bad where a guy was 25 yards away from something and then the play was over, like you said, and he ran over and just waylaid somebody. You know, and I'm, I'm a really big fan of Mike, Mike Evans. Mike Evans. Well, it was him in 2017. It's that him again. One. Exactly. Him again. That's exactly where my mind went. I went, I think the last time I remember anything like this was Mike Evans or then maybe A.J. Green choke slamming Jalen Ramsey, right? Remember that after a play? Because he yes. was. Jalen was getting underneath his skin, and I believe that ended up in a suspension too. So, I, you know, to me it was it was warranted. I mean, to me it was like it was a no brainer. I, I when I saw that happen, I was like, oh man, Mike Evans. Well, he's done this again. He's done this before. I mean, we were all watching this live in the control room, and you're in your little I don't know dark bunker hole in in West Virginia they, during they the game. They don't put the lights on. I tell them to put the lights on. They don't put the lights well, on. Well, you know, we're losing money at NBC. They're trying to cut costs here. But <laughs> either way, they're, 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 everybody was like, oh, man, he's going to get suspended. He's going to get suspended. I mean, that I don't think that was, like, shocking news when that came out to people who follow the, the league on a regular. It was November of 2017, by the way. A.J. Green was not suspended when he blew a gasket. Oh, he wasn't. Against okay. Jalen Ramsey and another mild-mannered receiver who otherwise is never an issue. We were talking about Andre Johnson yesterday and right, how he right. basket with Cortland Finnegan. Right. AJ Green never says boo to anyone. He's you know goes out, goes about his work. Part of the new age of of receiver that isn't soaking up all the attention. He loses it on Jalen Ramsey and 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 you know what the Saints would say about Mike Evans is one of the reasons he has an issue with Marshawn Lattimore is, and I haven't gone back and tracked down the stats to confirm this, but just kind of colloquially with, oh, within the Saints organization. You're right. Their take is Lattimore shuts him down. He does. That's why he gets pissed off. No no doubt. He is his kryptonite. I, uh, you know, I think Mike Evans is, I mean, phenomenal. He's, we've, we've had discussions. He's one of the most underrated wide receivers of the last 10 years. He's special talent. And it's part of the reason the Saints have been able to give the Buccaneers hard times is because they can go, hey, you take him, and now we can do crazy crap over here and take away some of the scheme and the other guys, and he's been very good that way. Lattimore is a bigger physical type of corner. So Mike Evans' 6'5 size doesn't, you know, overpower him quite like it does other other DBs and there's definitely been that issue and I think that's why there is there is that frustration I think that's that's why AJ Green got frustrated against Jalen Ramsey he's a great talker and he's a tough matchup for AJ Green here we're almost gonna play it there there it is no we got it we got it yeah all control rooms working on it all right, they're all, they're all working sudden, on it, but either way, it's a technical uh, I, difficulty. But you saw the evidence; it's yes, there. Yes. it's lurking. Right. It's just a matter of time. <laughs> just like AJ Green was lurking that day, and it was just a matter of time before he erupted on Jalen Ramsey. But hey, I just hope Mike Evans understands what the problem is, what the issue is, and and comports himself accordingly going forward. That's really the key. 
when he was talking about it in the locker room after the game, and he was almost talking like he didn't get suspended the last time, unless he was th- thinking about the other time in between that he didn't get suspended. Yeah, they've had a few scuffles. So many of them. Right. You got a whole file of Mike Evans, Marshawn Lattimore incidents. But just the way that he was just kind of flippantly discussing it, it's like this isn't good for Mike Evans because he doesn't understand why what he did was so egregious and unacceptable at a time of unprecedented sensitivity to player health and safety. You can't have guys attacking others after the play has ended. And, you know, Shefty still gets clowned for using the word assault when Miles Garrett hit Mason Rudolph over the head with his own helmet in a Thursday night Steelers-Browns game in Cleveland, by the way, three years ago. But it was. Anything that happens after the play is over is something that the league office has to be extra sensitive to. Now, you hit a guy over the head with his own helmet during the play, it's a problem as well. But it's once the play's over, that's when everybody's got to go their separate ways. And I know it's not easy to turn it on and turn it off and turn it on and turn it off, but that's what they expect. And there are certain things, especially once you've disengaged from the fray, to turn around and run back when you're out of it, to run back to it. Exactly. That's that's got to get you suspended every time yeah that that's that's right that's where it, it you're not you weren't involved in this you you injected yourself and i think that's and then you couple that with the history and all that and the type of shot that really could hurt somebody you know again i i know it's these are football players and all that but man you knock him like that he's not expecting who knows you know he falls falls on somebody somebody else's he's his leg gets caught in the turf because somebody else is around him and he's not there's there's just that's why they gotta be protective of this situation and that mike the other thing that just you know when you talk about this stuff too you just go you know, the effect of this football game i think that's the fascinating part to me you know, brady and rogers brady and rogers brady and rogers the two old guys going at it Right. And, you know, the, the two old guys can still play. I don't they're not Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. I can tell you that they're not. But you know, the, the, the other thing to, to this is like I, and I, I think this could be a defensive struggle. I wouldn't be shocked if this game was 17-14 or something like that. Pay the, the Packers. We know there are no weapons there to scare. It's a good Bucks defense. The Bucks offense beat up. No Mike Evans. You know, Julio Jones, we know he'll probably be a Saturday decision as usual, right? Chris Godwin, I don't know. I, I would doubt that he's out there this week. I don't know where the status of that is, but they need to be careful. You know, so yeah, I, I think you could see a game here where we're talking quarterback, quarterback, this is awesome. It's Brady Rodgers, but I think it's going to end up being one of these defensive battles more or less now, especially without Evans in the ballgame. Well, and we see the way the Buccaneers would like to play football. Definitely different, balls. right. The difference, the right. no risk it, no biscuit has gone out the window, even yeah. though Bruce Arians still lurking on the sidelines, although we won't see him, I assume, so prominently because he's been warned by the NFL not to do that. Run the ball and play defense is the mantra under Todd Bowles. And, hey, keep the game under control. Keep Aaron Rodgers on the sideline. I expect it will be much lower scoring than what we've seen in the past. And, yes, Chris Godwin still did not practice with the hamstring. Russell Gage still has a hamstring issue. He was limited. Julio Jones, DNP, knee. Shocker. Scott Miller is now on the injury report with a calf injury. Brashad Perriman with a knee. Yeah. These these receivers are banged up. It's one of the reasons they added Cole Beasley. But not having Mike Evans, you're right, huge issue for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. And uh, 
but they did have Tom Brady at practice yesterday. And this is here's the anatomy of a Sunday splash report. And, and this is a phrase that Sean Payton coined a few years ago because for a while there, every year, right around November or so, somebody would start reporting this may be his last year in New Orleans. And, of course, the one year when no one ever reported it ended up being his last year in New Orleans. But on Sunday, NFL Network reported that Tom Brady would be off every Wednesday all year long. There was no ambiguity. There was no wiggle room. There was nothing of any, any uncertainty. He will be off every Wednesday, and it created a big – because people tie it to the 11-day hiatus during Yeah, right. It has nothing to do with that. going on, and it has nothing to do with that. Right. And Todd Bowles said after the game, it, it has nothing to do with it. We have guys who get a Veterans Day every week. They get it every week. That was the plan. There's nothing new about this. And then comes Wednesday, Chris, and Tom Brady fully participated in practice. Right, right. And I, I don't know if whether it was – they're sticking it to NFL Network for reporting that he wasn't going to participate in any Wednesday practices all season long. But here's Todd Bowles talking about the fact that Tom Brady was indeed at work and fully participating in his assigned job duties on Wednesday. He usually takes individuals, some reps he takes, and some he does not. So, you know, he's out there every day. That's, that's the biggest thing for us. And he can switch it up when we want to switch it up. But there are some things he's got to get down, then we put him in there and get him down. Well, he had some off last year. This is not a one-time thing. And again, it's not just him. We got about six, seven guys that we have days off for or predicated days off. So, you know, we call them veteran days for ourselves, but they get all their work in. They get their workouts in. They study tape. They watch practice. Some of them even do individual periods. So, and again, it's not just him. And he had days off last year as the same. And this is the other thing, too. Some of these Sunday splash reports will create a false impression, and they know what they're doing. All due respect, they know what they're doing. You shade the language just a certain way to cause some in the audience to come to the wrong conclusion. Like Tom Brady's just not showing up for work on Wednesday. Yeah. Not practicing on Wednesday is a far cry from not being in the building at all on Wednesday. You're maintaining the guy's body by not having him go through a full practice, but he's still there. He's not staying home Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, showing up Thursday, Friday for a game on Sunday. He's still there even if he's not practicing. So that whole angle, that whole story, it was misleading. It was a check the box on a Sunday during football season because we got to have something because they all compete to have something good on Sunday morning. But that's fine. Some days you just aren't going to have anything. And I think it's wrong to take something that really is nothing and try to make it into a bigger deal. And it blew up on NFL Network. It blew up on them because they look silly now for, for making the report that he wasn't going to practice any Wednesday for the rest of the year, and here he is the first Wednesday after that report fully participating yeah. in practice. It does feel like that, that it was just like, hey, we got to fill a segment with you know insider news. What do we got? And it was like, what? I mean, that, that was, yeah. What do we got on Tom Brady? Tom Brady moves the needle. What do you got on Brady? What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? I mean, the producers are part of the problem, too, frankly. I'm sure. Not at NBC. Not We have responsible producers at NBC that don't push us to say anything that is inaccurate or, or unfair or untrue to the audience. But – they know what moves the needle. They know TB12 moves the needle. Give us something Brady. Give us something Brady. And before you know it, they take something, they package it up, and it, and it blows up in their face. Yeah, it's, it is. It's stupid. It's careless. It's, you know, I don't know what to say. But it's like Brady's there Monday and Tuesday, too. That's, that's where it's like he, he's always there. I mean, the, the no days off mantra didn't just come out of nowhere. 
Uh, he, well, except he, for the 11 days he wasn't there. Well, okay. He, he's allowed to have one blip on the radar over 22 years. We can, we can give him no that. No days off except for when we take a day off. Well, yeah, I know. And it was weird. We know that. And we, we, we dissected that to death. And there's obviously some real relationship issues there. I mean, that's, that's, I think that's you know, well noted at this point. But like to me, where, where when I saw the report, I was like, what? Like, first off, who gives a sh dot dot dot? Okay, damn, this really stinks. I like to say that word. This is I don't like this live on Sky. Next stuff. week we can. All right. Well, I I think what why, why can't I do it now and just see what Sky says and we'll just go from just, there. Let's see. Well, right. well, well. All I right. guess I guess they could say we're suspended from being live for a week because we're not going to be live anyway. <laughs> but just yeah. don't. But just don't. okay, fine. I won't. But but the other thing too is like. He's been taking Wednesday practices off for almost a decade. What the F are we talking about? I was there in 2012 in New England. Out of the 16 games, I bet you he didn't practice on Wednesday like 14 of them, 12 of them. And he goes out. He might warm up. or He's watching practice. He's very involved. He's telling the receivers, who do this, do that. But he's just so... Yeah, I don't know. It's just, you're right. I think right now it's Brady and everybody's just trying to get Brady news out there at all moments of the time. And it's just, uh, it is annoying. By the way, it is Brady versus Rodgers this weekend. And Rodgers was asked about Brady and Rodgers reiterated he will not be playing until the age of 45. He turns 39 in December. So who knows how much longer he'll go. And one thing we're seeing with Matt Ryan you just can't assume that you're going to be able to play as long as you want to and not have the wheels come off. It's right. entirely possible. Father Time is in the process of overtaking Matt Ryan before our eyes during football season. Could be. That is entirely possible. It's on him I'm to fend it. off Father Time at this point. But anywhere between 35 and 45, and it used to be 35 and maybe 38, that's when you just – the old Lawrence Taylor bit that he said to Bill Parcells, man, these guys all seem fast. These guys all seem strong. The, no, Lawrence, it's you're not the guy you used to be. Right. That's right. what's happened. And uh, quarterbacks can get away with that a little bit more than others, but still, it may be coming. By the way, to pay off what we suggested earlier, the Gremlins have been exorcised from the machines. Here is the A.J. Green versus Jalen Ramsey tussle that we were talking about earlier. God, I don't miss those ugly oh, I helmets. Oh, for, I forgot that little part right there. A.J. Green said, your helmets are ugly. Jalen Ramsey pushed him down. And, oh, there's A.J. Green. That is uncalled oh, for. Oh, yeah, right, right. No, he's going oh, right. What, what, A.J., A.J., don't punch a helmet. Why would you punch a helmet when you're, especially when you're a receiver and you rely upon your hands to punch a fo- uh, catch a football? Don't punch a helmet. He's going for the neck. He's going to that soft spot right there. He's going for that spot in oh, between Oh, that's the, true. Yeah, yeah but, but either way, you're going to still hit helmet. And your, your aim is not that good no, when the guy's moving. No, you're not you're Muhammad not gonna, Ali. You're not going to catch the fleshy part of the neck when the head's moving around. Oh, my gosh. And and really, I mean, that that is unbelievable. And that is, I forgot how he threw those punches. That is very much Andre Johnson, Cortland thing. And, but I think the other point is what you said. It Those are the ugliest freaking uniforms in the history of football. Those are so <laughs> bad, it is unbelievable. I mean, oh, my gosh. It's like somebody got in a room and was like, how can we make them uglier? I mean, that helmet is so stupid, uh, but that was uh, that was a good moment. And that's why Jalen Ramsey is who he is. He's very good at getting underneath people's skin. There was a moment in the second half of the 2017 AFC Championship where they started to look a little bit better. They started to because they were up 10 points and should have been up <laughs> right, 17 right, over New England. Right. Also, I'll say this. We're, 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 we're entertained by this now. 
but we don't condone it. It shouldn't happen. This should not happen. And that's the that's the the conflict that sports fans have. You go to a hockey game, you wait for a fight. You know, it shouldn't happen. But you know, you watch a uh, uh, auto race, you're waiting for the wreck. And it's just that part of human nature that we need to try to suppress. We don't want to see it. Now, after it happens and it's over, there's nothing we can do about it. We're allowed to enjoy it, I guess. But it should it should not happen. You need to be calmer and cooler, and it can get you suspended, especially if you come running in out of nowhere. That's what would happen. Somebody else from the Jaguars or Bengals comes running in out of nowhere and slams one of those guys to the ground, that's when you're going to get suspended and should get suspended 100 out of 100 times. Speaking of time, We've taken too much in the opening segment. We'll take a break. When we return, Lamar Jackson popped up on the injury report. We'll talk about what his condition is in advance of a showdown with the Patriots when PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel, continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 